Welcome to Berenson Bomb Podcast, episode 32, with your host Corey and Diego Berenson. Diego, hello. Hello. Who is sitting right next to you? Declan. Declan Zog is back again. Welcome back. You're the fourth or third podcast. You are our main repeat guest. Not okay. Not okay. Yes, okay. And then we also have my buddy, my friend. Mr. Radiation himself, <laughs> nuclear, Mr. Matt Jackson, all the way from Sweetwater, Sweetwater, Texas. Texas. Thank you, Matt, for coming out here. Uh, always a pleasure. Love to have your presence here. Haven't seen you in three years. It's been a while. Super pumped to have you here. We partied back in the day. Oh, a long time ago. Pre-kids. Yeah. And now I got this little dude, almost nine years old, this month. Yep. And here it's, he is. He's going to chit-chat you. Awesome. So. Let me have it. Diego. Yeah. So I thought, this is all I told him. Okay. I said you work with lasers and radiation. Okay. These two guys came up with some questions. That's all I threw at him. Okay. I also said you grew up with animals. I did, yes. That's always fun. Always. So, Diego, go for it. Question number one. All right. What do you got, Diego? Um... Who, um, it, who is the, um, like, founder of Radiation or Lasers? Uh, the founder of Radiation, well, that would probably be Marie Curie. She's a famous woman physicist. Uh, she, a lot of her research, she ran the Nobel Prize twice. She's an amazing person. She actually died from radiation poisoning. And a lot of her notebooks that she had that she re-recorded all her, her lab notes in are still radioactive to this day. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, she was, she was kind of the one that, uh, that uh, spearheaded the, the research on and did a lot of the, the initial research on radiation, Marie Curie. As far as lasers, I'm not sure. Did you know that laser is an acronym? You know what an acronym is? An acronym is a word that stands for another group of words. Like scuba means self-contained breathing, underwater breathing apparatus. Well, laser means light amplification through the stimulated emission of radiation. That's so what slowly are. break that down. It basically, what you're doing is you're using uh, electrical source to... Trying to explain, trying to figure out how to explain this to. See, this is the challenge, right this here. This is the challenge. If you can explain it to these guys, you know, you know what's happening. That's that's the biggest challenge. Einstein is known for saying that if you cannot explain it simply, you do not fully understand it. Okay, here you go. So, so there we Here's go. Here's your test. Uh, basically, you use electric electricity to charge air particles. Call it. It's called ionization, and it makes it where it gives off light it's it's really it's I'd, I'd have to maybe i don't fully understand so you electrically charge you electrically air charge particles. air particles and then they it becomes ionized which means it starts giving off radiation so as soon as it's ionized as soon as it's ionized and the radiation reacts with the air and basically emits photons which is what light is made out of and then you can see it and then you can see it and photons travel how fast uh Three times ten to the eighth meters per second, which is the speed of light, which is basically light travels around the world, can travel around the world four times in one second. 
all the way around. It's 25,000. That's 25,000. So it's about 100,000 uh, miles an hour. Four well, times no, around the 100, world. 100,000 miles per second. So. And it only it travels until something stops it, right? Exactly. At the speed of light until something stops it. Exactly. Got it? Yeah. <laughs> so what's a laser? Come on. <laughs> Come um, on, guys. Uh, you can do this. Light and fluff. Light amplification. So light amplification means they're amplifying the light with the electricity? Yeah, well, the, they use electricity they to... I guess how they charge... They use electricity to make radiation. It, it, it charges the air, which makes radiation, which then gives off light, basically. Got it. Cool. Next. Um, I, I could talk about electron shells and all that, but that's a little bit deep. Yeah, well, we'll do that soon. <laughs> One day. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it right after these guys leave. Okay, all right. Okay. Because um, I'd like to know what's going on. Okay. What is radiation useful for? Uh, radiation, there's a lot of uses for radiation, uh, like x-rays. You know what an x-ray is? Yeah. X-ray is a type of radiation. It's it's it basically uh, an x-ray is a type of radiation that passes through things easily, passes through your soft tissue, your skin, and stuff like that easily, but it's blocked by your bones. So the bones stop the radiation so that when you have an x-ray taken, Basically, they're seeing what the radiation, you see the x-ray, you see the black and the white. You know, the black is the background, the white is the bones. Mm-hmm. Well, the black is where the radiation has actually hit the screen, the film that developed, and the white is where the radiation didn't hit. So that's that's one of the ways that radiation is useful. Uh, they use radiation a lot in uh, decontaminating things to... to uh, like they use it in foods to sterilize foods, sterilization. A lot of uh, like any facility that manufactures like needles for syringes and stuff like that, they use radiation to sterilize everything, kill all the germs and bacteria that are on them. Uh, the one of the uses that I, my company, a lot of the companies that buy from us, they use it to monitor. It's kind of like a depth gauge for these big containers for that contain food or water. And basically what they do is they stick a detector in the middle of it. It's usually a long rod. And they have a powerful radiation source on the outside of the tank. And they can tell by how much radiation gets through how full that tank is. If it's empty, more radiation gets through. If it's full, it blocks the radiation and they're not detecting as much so they can tell how the level of stuff in there. Like so. oil tanker, or yeah, oil tankers, uh, food silos, like big water tanks. That's that's a, a that's a large part of our business is these companies that do these you know, container level measurements, like farms. Yeah, farms. Cargo, like food, food manufacturing facilities, uh, shipping, and yeah, that's another another thing is uh, imaging. We they do. Uh, like anytime you go to the airport and you put your suitcase in the scanner, 
and they scan it to make sure there's nothing dangerous in it that's using radiation. It's basically the same thing as an X-ray. It uses a different type of radiation. It uses neutrons, but uh, but it's the same basic concept. It's they're doing this imaging, uh, yeah, like the scanner that you go through in a in a the metal detector. Mm-hmm. It's low levels of radiation. So, which so were, how much were, will it, how much will it zap the it's, infant in the belly because they don't let pregnant ladies go through the big one where you yeah, stick it's your hands not, up there's a, there's a big misconception about radiation okay. people say radiation and it's oh, it's a bad thing It's but they don't realize that there's radiation around us all the time because isn't ultraviolet like yeah ultraviolet is, 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 is a type of radiation uh, but yeah we the background radiation like bananas bananas are radioactive <gasps> But Dude, you've been eating bananas. Yep, yeah, bananas. In fact, one of the units of measurement of radiation is a banana. No way. I'm serious. It's it's a, one of. The- so how so how many bananas will it take for him to become Spider Man? Uh, a lot. How, like how many? What are we talking? Like a million. Can you eat? A, if you eat a million bananas, you mm. can become Spider Man. In like a row. <laughs> like a row, yes. Okay. <laughs> so I, I that's, could probably well, do that. That's one truck full of bananas. A truck full of bananas. Yeah. yeah, because bananas contain potassium. Okay. Potassium is a radioactive element. We have potassium in our bodies. It's, right. It, it emits radiation. So, yeah, we're surrounded by radiation. The sun, the uh, it's in the ground. It comes from certain elements in the ground. Concrete, sometimes concrete emits a lot of radiation. But, yeah, we're surrounded by it all the time, and it's not harmful. It's not until it gets into a certain high level where it becomes starts becoming harmful and it starts attacking your cells basically so but yeah uh, radiation people you know radiation is bad it's not it's all around us all the time it's like anything too much of it though is bad so so how many x-rays at the dentist before i get cancer uh you probably never get cancer from getting an <laughs> or x-ray. it's gonna kill some cells yeah it might kill some cells yes but it's it's not uh cancer causing that's the uh, the amount of levels to i can't remember the exact numbers most most radiation is measured in rims 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 yeah and millirem is you know a thousandth of a rim and so uh, and these are probably not accurate numbers but say a x-ray machine you're exposed to 500 millirem of radiation the normal cancer causing the point where you might start seeing problems is like 500,000 millirem. Whoa. Okay. So it's, it's, there's a big level there. I mean, you usually you're exposed to more radiation flying in an, an airplane than you are from an x-ray machine. Really? Yeah. Because, you know, there's the, you're up there, the atmosphere is thinner, you're getting more UV radiation or cosmic radi- radiation and like you're because you're literally closer to the sun yeah well you're there's less the light there's less protection the atmosphere is a lot of yeah it provides a lot of protection from there's a radiation called cosmic radiation that uh, is basically coming at us all times and we're always we're, we're constantly being bombarded with it the atmosphere helps protect us somewhat from that so the further you out you get the less atmosphere you have between you and that radiation so that's and it's not nowhere near a you know harmful dose 
But you are exposed to more in an airplane than you are on the ground. So. That's cool. Now, see, if I'd known to prepare, I would have had exact numbers and I could, you could Yeah, we don't worry. Can, yeah. People, people have Google. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Diego. Declan. What's right. your name? That was, you that was cool. What you got? Um, um, when did you start to work with lasers? Uh, I, when I was in college, which was 900 years ago, 900 years ago, about <laughs> give or take a <laughs> uh, We did a lot of, we did research with lasers. We, we actually built lasers as part of one of the classes. And then we actually had my, because in college you have to do, for a science degree, you have to do a research project. And so I actually worked with a very high power laser during one of our research programs. Because usually, like the little laser pointers that you use, those are about three to five milliwatts. So pretty small. We had, and which is three or five one-thousandth of a watt, the laser we used was a five watt laser. So it was it was something that you didn't want to stick your hand in. What would it do? It would burn a hole through your hand. It was yeah. It was it was uh, not something. It was about four feet long, and it had we had to have it water cooled. We had you know, cooled water. It ran through it to keep it cooled down so that it wouldn't explode. <laughs> So what did you shoot with it? What did you shoot the laser at? Uh, we were trying to make photoluminescent silicon, basically. Okay. Basically what it is, silicon is, it doesn't photoluminesce. In other words, when you hit it with a power source, it doesn't give off any light. And we were trying to make, and since all computer components are made of silicon, we were trying to develop a photoluminescent silicon that they can use as a light sensor in computers. And uh, so I, I, I was in at the very beginning of the research, so I helped set up a lot of the equipment. We never got any good data. It never worked really well. And uh, yeah, all because all the equipment we had was kind of old. And But uh, so we were trying to, we were hitting this piece of silicon and measuring the light coming off of it, the reflected light, and seeing what if it would actually photoluminesce. And like I said, we never actually got any really good data off of it, but uh, they did actually, eventually after I graduated, I went back and visited and they had some success. So. They didn't? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Did they put bananas in front of it and see if it really <laughs> melt? Did you do like any fun? We like, did. Hey, let's melt some, some we sort, did. sort of we soft would, tissue. We, no, we uh, tennis balls. We put holes in quite a few tennis balls. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. We would, uh, we played around with it a little bit. Probably weren't supposed to, but you know. College kids. So. so you're the closest person we've met that's almost like a stormtrooper. <laughs> I have played with some high-powered <laughs> lasers, yeah. yeah. It's real. Yeah, there was a sign on the door. I still remember it. It said, do not look into laser with remaining good eye. That was, <laughs> that was our warning sign on the front door. So, yeah, it was interesting. And then we, had to, we played with liquid nitrogen, which is always fun. Oh, I remember you telling me you just freeze anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Liquid nitrogen is normal water freezes. We Everything's measured by, it's not Celsius or Fahrenheit, it's Kelvin. You know, we measure everything in Kelvin. So water freezes at 273 degrees Kelvin or 273 Kelvin. 
So liquid nitrogen is at 23 Kelvin. So super, super cold. And yeah, it, it freezed. Oh, remember everything. the ice cream when we went and they, they poured the cream mm-hmm. in that bowl, Diego? And then they went and they sprayed the liquid nitrogen on it and they kept spinning and it became ice cream in one minute. Yeah, that's that was liquid nitrogen. I have done that. They had the big. It was one of those ice cream places with a huge also marshmallows tank. in liquid nitrogen. For put it, you know, little mini marshmallows in liquid nitrogen, and then you have like a slide spoon that you get it out and chew on them. And you're like, as you're chewing them, they're, they're kind of crunchy, and there's like steam coming out of your mouth. <laughs> we used Ooh. to do that all the time. <laughs> it was fun, but yeah, yeah, we did a, a lot of interesting things with the liquid nitrogen. You know, the whole put a penny in there and let it freeze and then hit it with a hammer and it shatters like glass because it's the the molecular bonds are so cold that they're brittle and so it just shatter apart just shatter apart yeah hit it with a hammer and it breaks what if you put your finger in there same uh, thing same thing yeah you that's you would uh lose a finger but it would break in a really yeah, cool way yeah it actually it takes it's not an <clears throat> instantaneous thing you, can you just actually, have to keep smashing your you can finger. Ex- well, you can. No, I mean, like, come on, wise, do it again. Just yeah, keep no, you could, you could go like this and be fine. Of course, I know they can't see that, but you yeah. you can. And I'm not. You, know, you can just put nobody your try in this a bucket of nitrogen because this is probably <laughs> stuff that you probably shouldn't be trying. But yeah, just you know, stick it in, take it out, no problem. Stick it in for a second. There's a problem. That was, you just catch the time difference. It, Negative. Okay, next question. Um, okay. Um, where is the laser factory at? Uh, well, we don't actually make lasers. I don't know. Or, our or you use them. Or the radiation. Where's where are you yeah. where are you manufacturing all this radiation? Well, we don't actually. We have a lot of radioactive sources that we use because what we do, we don't make the radiation we make things that see the radiation oh they make things that see it yeah gotcha so that's that we uh we make detectors and you don't want the detectors to be radioactive because that, that kinda, would mess up your that head. would mess up your, the detector <laughs> would just be seeing itself so yeah we make we we have a lot of radiation sources that we use to test and calibrate our equipment to make sure it works right so we'll make a detector and then we'll set a radioactive source next to it and make sure that can see the radioactive source, but we don't actually make radiation sources there. We make yeah, detectors that see them, and a lot of it. What it, my what I specifically work on is is it's we call it uh, illicit material detection. Basically, you have people trying to bring radioactive material into the country for bad reasons, and so. The stuff that I make is used at a lot of borders between countries to so that when somebody tries to bring it through, these detect it and can see it, and they know that somebody's trying to bring something they shouldn't into the country. So, so if you are trying to bring in uranium at the U.S.-Mexico border in your Honda Accord, you have to drive through a giant detector. You drive through a giant detector that and Matt's will, company probably made that will find that radioactive stuff in your trunk and they arrest you and the police smash your skull. Is that how it works? Exactly. That's a literal translation. <laughs> literal. Also, they, they use it a lot in uh, railway, railroad yards. 
and okay. steel mills because they use radioactive sources to for the same thing, you know, measuring different things in steel and steel yards. But occasionally these radioactive sources will be mixed in with the steel. And if they bring it into a steel mill and melt it, smelt it all together, then you have a large batch of radioactive steel. So they use these detectors to monitor the rail, the cars coming in to make sure that there's not a radioactive so, source mixed in there somewhere. So if it's in there, say it gets mixed into the smelt and they make something, does it just stay radioactive? Yep. Forever. Forever. You have a big batch of radioactive steel that you cannot sell. Whoa. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of yeah, the, one of the companies that, that uh, I work for. Yeah. That's what their ba- basic thing is. Yeah. They do these steel mill monitors that uh, will they'll catch any radioactive source. And it happens, I guess, more than you think. So. But, yeah. And that's, the, and that's the raw material coming from the ground to check for radiation before they melt it. Yeah. It's a uh, raw material and, you know, scrap steel too, that they, just trying to recycle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. Right, Did you, you decide on the next, next one? Yeah. Okay. Wait, it's my turn? Yeah, Declan, it's your turn. Okay. All right. Okay, I'll just say, um, how, um, anytime. Um. Go for it. <laughs> Here we go. I'm listening. Still here. Um, and go. Um, you, you know the question. All right, still ready. Oh, wait, how? Yeah, yeah you're on how. Oh. Oh. How does radiation affect the... Hey, wait, speak clear into the microphone. How does radiation affect the Earth? How does radiation affect the Earth? Well... Not much. The Earth is uh, usually the radiation. A lot of it comes from rocks and things that are in the Earth. So, uh, uh, but there's a lot of radiation that comes from space as well, cosmic radiation, and some of that. Most uh, like there's these things called cosmic rays or muons that uh, they will pass completely through the Earth and never even slow down. And yeah, we're hit with cosmic radiation all the time. We never know it. It just passes right through us. Is that how I get a sweet tan? <laughs> no, not quite. It's not It's not a uh, common thing. It's, it's not a constant thing. I'll put it that way. It's every once in a while you have a cosmic burst that goes through the Earth. So it's not... It's not constant. No, it's not constant. Uh, but yeah, well, there's a... Like I said, there's radiation all around us. It doesn't really hurt us unless it's a big enough source. Uh, as far as it affecting the Earth, uh, now the Earth's full of radiation. It has it has a uh, radioactive things all in it, like potassium. Like I say, like the bananas you eat and uh, volcanoes are very radioactive. A lot of the sand on the beaches is radioactive. Why? It's it's just the the the. trying to think of the radioactive element that's in that's that's mixed in with sand a lot but yeah it's it's just one of those things there's a lot of radioactive things on the planet that you know it's there it's it's everywhere and people have a bad idea about you know 
radiation being a bad thing and nuclear power plants being you know an evil thing and it's 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 a lot of common misconception as it's got a bad name like um, MRIs MRIs they use actually use radiation to do what they're to do the scanning but it's not called it's called magnetic resonance imaging but it's it used to be called I forget but they changed the name of what they called it because it had a bad because people didn't understand it people didn't understand so it's like oh radiation don't. that's bad I don't want to go anywhere near it and it's it's not necessarily a bad thing and but yeah, as, as far as it affecting the Earth, it's not the Earth can uh, take care of itself. It's not. Uh, it's not gonna. It's not hurting the Earth. So you know you don't want to get afraid of the unknown. Just yeah. because you don't understand something doesn't mean you should be afraid of it. I didn't know much about radiation. I know Matt knows all about it, and it would be wrong of me to be afraid of it and scared of it without ever having found out if it's actually dangerous. Yeah. Or at what levels? So instead of me saying, "Oh, somebody one time told me it was bad, and I'm scared now," that's not good. It's, it's one of those things ask. you have to. You want to actually find something out. It's like electricity. It it's it's useful, but you have to be careful with it. It's I mean, it's going to be there. It's you use it, but at the same time, you have to respect it. And you know that's they have there have been accidents. I mean, there's Chernobyl and the Long Island and and. Uh, in Japan that I can't remember Fukushima Fukushima exactly but those are old yeah. there's new there's new there's way new more new technologies you yeah. can use the yeah. waste at a you know like TerraPower yeah he's and using they have, the uh, they have using you know, export. plans that there's ideas for making small underground reactors that will power a single city and you know it's completely safe it's underground even there's no risk of it overheating exploding because that's what happens with nuclear reactors is you have these radioactive sources this uranium that is heating water and that's how it works it, it's in there and it makes steam and the steam powers turbines which cause which power which make electricity so but they have this water cycling all the time to keep it from getting too hot and if something happens, then you have an explosion. And so it's a steam explosion is what happens. But the trouble is when it explodes, these radioactive, this radioactive material that is in there explodes as well. And so that's what happens. You get Does to, the water absorb the radiation or not? No, no. So it's yeah, not like not, it's not, not like it got heated by it. it. Even if I got splashed by the water coming yeah. out of it. I'd be okay. No, you're not. It's not the water that's Other radioactive. The it's the what's in the water that would be radioactive. That's that's a lot. Another common misconception is that radiation does not cause. If you're hit with radiation, it doesn't make you radioactive. It's not the, the radiation doesn't work that way. It's it, it's like uh, being hit by a bullet. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. It doesn't radiation doesn't trigger other things to become radioactive it's radiation itself is is just what it is and it doesn't transfer to other things so that's yeah, another common misconception is that uh, you know people 
Well, we've all if seen, they're exposed to radiation, they become radioactive, and that's, that's not that's not we've, the way it we've works. We've literally culturally learned about radiation from Spider Man. <laughs> exactly. This is a big fail. Yeah, yeah. Huge fail. Yeah. It's, Everybody's it's, like, no, no, no. It makes I've, a good story. Hey, I I've seen Spider Man. I understand radiation. <laughs> this is the most uh, people. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it, that that is true. People uh, they. Uh, where they get their information from isn't always entirely accurate. Diego's learning by doing this. Yeah. yeah. Digging in. Okay. Diego's new phrase. I want to get him like a hat or like a shirt or something. I'm starting. I want to call him the why guy. The why guy. We're going to see if he can make your brain explode. Okay. This is the new test. Okay. Be prepared. Dun, dun, dun for the why guy. The why guy. All right, Diego. Your time to shine. Why does radiation not affect the earth? Wait, we just went over that. Do another one. All right, never mind. Go for it. Why does radiation not affect the Why earth? Why does it not affect the earth? Uh, well, it's like us. I mean, we have, we're exposed to radiation all the time, and we are fine as long as it's not, you know, a huge dose. The earth is the same way. It has radioactive parts in it we have radioactive potassium is in our blood is radioactive uh the earth has potassium in it and as long as it is kept to a you know reasonable level it's fine but yeah there are like you know chernobyl everybody talking about chernobyl and they had the big netflix Mm -hmm. special on it and uh yeah the trouble is that area it got exposed to a great deal of radiation and it's people can't live there because it's the Earth itself will recover. It's it's will eventually get back to normal. People can't live there for a hundred thousand years, <laughs> but in Earth time, that's the also time conception at all. is that that will that radiation that stays there will leak further out over time. Is that true? But in weaker amounts as it yeah, dissipates? Yeah, it, it is possible. Because you have, I mean, that's that's the big thing with these nuclear explosions is the radioactive particles get up in the air. And then the wind currents carry them. So you have radioactive particles. I mean, the air itself isn't radioactive, but you have this, basically it's like you take a, a thing of chalk and you ground it up into powder. And so the powder is still chalk, and if you throw it up in the air, it's going to carry. The same thing with like uranium. It's basically the explosion causes it to become a powder, and then it gets in the air. So you have uranium powder in the air, and that carries it to other places. And that's what. Uh, and to to a certain extent, it gets in the water sources, and you know the uranium powder gets in the water sources, and it's carried to other places, and it it you know it spreads, but it's. It's been so long that it's not where it's at. It's not going to get any bigger. But that's a lot of the, you know, when these explosions happen, it gets into the air. The air currents carry this place, this radioactive material to other places. And that's the fallout is, you know, that's what they call fallout. And that's from these radioactive particles being transferred from one area to another by wind. So, but uh, but old incidents like the one in Chernobyl, it's not going to spread anymore. All right. Um. Okay. Why? Wait, should I gonna like, jump around in questions? 
No, you just said it. Why? 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 <laughs> that is a good question. I'm not sure that I know the answer to that one. Um, you said I could jump around a question a question. Like, like. Whatever you want to do. Um. I thought you were going to do it. I am. Oh, okay. But um, you only have to say one word. I did. Oh, okay. Um. Can I think of a question that I could say why? No, it's only one word. You said you could answer it, though. No, you just say one word. Why? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Because. <laughs> Why? That's a parent answer. It really is. It's we're we're gonna dig in. Yeah, we're gonna dig in. That's 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 the that's the big parent answer. Why? Because. Go ahead. Why? Oh, we're gonna keep going with this. Oh yeah, oh, awesome, awesome. You're only at number five. I'm only at way. number five. Oh, there's more to come. We are slowly peeling the onion. <sighs> why? I don't really have a good answer to that. That's a good. Everybody asks that. Everybody asks why. Why are we here? Why? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Are we going again? Yeah. <laughs> what? What's the question? Why? Why? <laughs> uh, I'm being grilled by a nine-year-old. <laughs> I'm starting to sweat. Is that bad? I told you. <laughs> it heats up when the Y guy. Yeah, it really does. It's like, yeah. I'm like, no, you can only cut. You can I've only got cop to out figure for out so a long. better answer to this question before my head explodes. All right, hit me again. Why? Why? Take your time. Take my time. I can answer. Why is the sky blue? Do you want to know that? Okay. I have a lot of answers for why, but yeah. Uh, no, I wanted to. It's supposed to be a follow up to the actual oh, previous question. Gotcha. Not just random. Just not just just just, uh, just. That's an open ended why. Yeah. Uh, I see. I see. What you see where we're going I with see this? Where we're going with this? Okay. Okay. So what were we talking about? We we're talking about nuclear fallout and. Radiation and why it doesn't spread. Why would be because there's only a certain amount of this stuff gets in the water. The water goes a certain place and then it stops. So it's been exposed that far. Uh, it gets in the ground. There is a possibility of it getting in the water, the water evaporating and getting into the clouds. But usually when water evaporates, it doesn't carry with it. It's just water. It doesn't carry with it what was... Because that's how seawater, if you evaporate seawater, what you have left is a bunch of salt. Because the salt isn't carried with the water. It's just the water. So it doesn't, it doesn't really... Through evaporation, it doesn't spread. So it's not... There's really no physical way for it to spread. And why is that? And why is that? <laughs> We're digging deep into... <laughs> well, 
trying to get, I'm trying to make this interesting because I know this can get scientific explanation can get dull to a lot of people, especially you get into really boring details. But uh, I don't know. I don't know how to go deeper than that. That's just the way. So let's say it went into powder. It exploded. Mm-hmm. It's in the water. It's in the water. The water is not radioactive, but it's carrying the radioactive Particle. element. Eventually, it tra- let's say it travels ten miles. Right. It and is eventually, it, it's, it's, it's is like the land, any... is the dirt and silt that's slowly passing, absorbing it as it travels on. So it's letting go of it. Yeah, and you you have you know erosion. Erosion occurs, and you have so you have say and it's possible. Say you have these radioactive powder that's in this that's in the water and the water and it settles into the stream bed Mm -hmm. but over time you have erosion that occurs and carries it to a different place so yeah if you think about it like that then yeah it is possible i guess for it to eventually shift its location and spread but it's such low levels slow slow process i mean it's it's something that's going to take you know hundreds and thousands of years for it to of course, the radiation that uh, is there is going to be there a while. It's they measure radiation has something called a half life, which is kind of a, a weird concept. But basically, a half life means that in a certain amount of time, you have half the amount of radiation that you had before. So if it's super radioactive, so say you had something that had years. a yeah, say something you had a that had a half life of ten years. So and it was at a hundred initially. In ten years, it would be at fifty. In the next ten years, it would be at twenty-five. Thirty years down the road, it would be twelve and a half. So that's how half life works. It decreases by half every time Whatever period. Whatever time yeah. period that is. So, uh, plutonium or uranium has a half life of like, once again, I'm not exactly sure this number, but I know it's in the hundreds of thousands of years. So it will be radioactive for a long time. And that's why subs use it, right? Yeah. Like submarines? Yeah, because it, it's, it stays potent forever basically so isn't that how we're supposed to power our spaceships yeah yeah you want something that has a long is it how we power spaceships or no uh no but we should yeah it is it is a possibility and it it would work why don't we do that i don't know i'll uh, ask nasa next time i talk to him (laughs) speaking of we'll get into that in a moment mr matt jackson i didn't tell you yet but he was picked how many you were picked to work on a mars Related biodome mission. So they were going to make a. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. me if I get it wrong. I'll explain it yeah, generically yeah. first. So there, he was picked out of how many people? I don't know. How many people did they pick in the end to work on the project? Uh, 40? You're talking about the Hera project. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it was only, <coughs> excuse me, only like a dozen. But it was, they did, it was only like a three month project. So they had. So 12 people. 12 people. You were one of 12 selected. I was one of 12. I did not get to go. But he was picked yeah. to work on a project. I was really proud of the accomplishment too because one of the – it's the same requirements to do that as it is to be an astronaut. And so that meant that 
You're an astronaut. They, they astronaut can, level. They they consider yeah. Then I have the qualifications to be an astronaut. Probably not as qualified as a lot of the actual astronauts because I actually applied to be an astronaut a couple of times. That's right. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, I did. And I got a nice couple of little uh, rejection letters framed in my office. That's that cool. Say, Man, it was cool because I had a, a friend that also applied that they sent him a letter saying, uh, you are not qualified to be an astronaut. Whereas my letter said uh, we had 6,000 people apply for six positions and so we appreciate you applying. And that was it. So that was, that was, I met the qualifications, but yeah, looking at the people that they actually selected, yeah, they, they wasn't as qualified as a lot. But of still, them. the Hero Project was 12 of you, being yeah. one of the smartest yeah. people in the world, yeah. picked to work on this project that you were going to test. Basically, what the Hero Project is, is it's kind of a, uh, they more study you than you do actual research, but it's the, it's a simulated long space flight evaluation. Basically, they stick you in a capsule on Earth and make you live there for 21 days with five other people. And you have, you know, a work schedule, you have things you have to accomplish. And, and then they, it's, so you're doing research for them, but you're also part of the research project. So, but yeah, it was. So they need to study what it takes for you. They, 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 to stay I mean, busy, you're, you're do doing, experiments. You're doing, yeah, you're doing research, but they're also studying like the psychological effects and the you know the social effects of, of people stuck together in this small space for any long extended period of time. They could have watched Real World. Yeah, true. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that was that was uh, something that I was actually chosen for that I the the timing. Because it was a, a temporary thing, I, I would have had to take off from work for three months. Oh, so you didn't do the full twenty-one days? No, I didn't actually. Yeah, I did not get. To, I did not go because they had a. I actually opted for. They chose me. Told me these are your dates. I was like, I can't do those. Ah. Can I catch the next one? And they're like, Yeah, sure. And then uh, I never actually got a call back for the second one. So I did get chosen. But you just couldn't do but it. But I couldn't do it at that time. Oh. They said that you could do it the other one, but they yeah, passed on me on the second one. So, yep, I could have done it. But you got picked for it. I got picked for it, yeah. I was, I was, I was, yeah, because they're like, yeah. But the. And it's Hera, H-E-R-A. Yeah. You could still look it up on the NASA oh, side, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's. And you can look at, and they have like webcams and stuff that you can. Do you remember what type of positions the other. Like what jobs do the other people do to get picked? Uh, well, they usually have a, a variety of people with scientific backgrounds, geologists and chemists and physicists like me that uh, that work on these. And so they try to have a a group that has a you know a variety of talents to to be on these. So. All right, Diego, Declan, what if I picked you and I said you have to live with five other people for 21 days trapped in a tube that's going to be going and pretend that it's going into space a tube we'll call Basically, it a little house like a little tube like a little, if, you, if, you, if you look at it on the line it looks like a big tube a tiny tube that you have to live in big. and we're pretending that we shift you into space what would be the job that you would want to do if you are with these people and pretending we're shooting you into space we're saying we're sending you to Mars. Five years there, 
and then you're going to come back. So you're going to come back to Earth in 10 years, right? You're stuck with four people for 10 years, okay? What would be the job you would want to do on the mission? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Good answer. Like, um, like the, the people who like almost like at F1 how they have all the computers looking at the car to see when did it come to a pit like but instead it's like with like the planet instead so you'd be checking the equipment how everything's running yeah making sure everything's proper everything's proper what would you like to do Declan what would be the big job? You say, hey, I'm Declan. My job is... Is... I don't know. Go that's on. A, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. a hard one. It is a hard one. You should be the person, like, um, on Mars. Well, you're all going to stay on Mars. Yeah, but like... Five years, two years to get there, two and a half years? Something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, so, it's, uh, so it's, it's so yeah. So you said, so let's say two years to get there, you're going to hang out for six... Six what? Years, and then come back. It takes you another two years to get back, so you spent ten years. Would they be older, is that whole thing? Oh, yeah. Because they went to space, so they'll come back older than we are here? <laughs> Uh, well, or they'll come back younger. No, is that true? That that's, is it not long enough? No, it's not fast enough. You have to be. That's like how long would they need to be gone to be? What would they would be? It's, it's not. It's not a, a time thing. It's how fast they're going. How close to the speed of light they're going. That would do it. That would do it. Okay. Yeah, because there's a thing called the twin paradox that if you and the, the the thing is if you Alpha Proxima is the closest star to us. Besides Alpha the Proxima. Alpha Proxima. It's four light years away, which means it takes light four years to travel that distance. So, but uh, Einstein's theories show that it's if you, the faster you go, the closer you get to the speed of light, the slower time passes for you. So, the twin paradox is if you have a set of twins on earth and one of them stays on earth and the other one flies to alpha proxima at the speed of light at the speed of light okay as close to the speed of light as we can get okay uh four years four years back for the person that flew it would be like no time at all had passed yeah because they're going to speed of light they're going close to the speed of light time slows to a standstill even though it took Four years there and four years back. So when he got back, he would be eight years younger than his twin, who was born at the same time. Because he was flying so fast that time only passed here on Earth. And they've actually, that's right. actually a measurable thing. They've actually measured by these transatlantic flights or these trans, these global flights, mm-hmm. that there is a time difference between clocks that were on the ground and clocks that were on the plane. It's, it's, and that's you know, why we use the atomic clock. It's like right? milliseconds. I mean, it's a tiny, tiny difference, but there is. It but it's is there. still measurable. It's still measurable. Yeah. So it is an actual thing that they have actually measured. Where is the atomic clock that we actually? I don't know. Use 
you know, that verifies the actual time. Yeah. I would say it's probably at the NIST, if I was to guess, NIST, which is the National Institute of Standards and Technology. They're the ones that kind of write the rules about that stuff. So I would assume that the uh, the uh, atomic clock, I'm not sure about it, but that would be my best guess is in, uh, in Maryland. All right, boys. Hmm. You've done super good. Do you yeah. have any last questions before I kick you out and then me and Matt are going to talk boring grown-up talk? Kick me out. What? Kick <laughs> me out. Do you want to know they anything about? Do you done. want to know about chickens? Do you know about sheep?s I have, Cows. I was raised on a ranch, and we had a lot of Matt farm animals: so. sheep, goats, cows, horses, horses, guineas, guineas, which is a crazy annoying bird. Chickens, ducks, geese. Wait, he told me yesterday that guinea birds are so dumb. You could put a, a literal piece of dental floss string in a circle, and it would think it's trapped. You could block it with just a piece of string, and it would be like, I'm trapped in here! Yep. Help me! Remember, we had one one time that... It won't even fly over It won't even fence. step over. It won't go under. It won't fly over. It just... Ah! And my dad was laying out a new line, a new fence, and he had a string laying on the ground. And that guinea ran back and forth on that string, trying to find a way back into its coop. And it would not pass. So finally, it jumped up and flew over the string and over the fence back into where it was supposed to be. But it ran back and forth on that string, and it would not. It could not figure out how to get past that string. Yeah, yeah. Guineas are not smart animals. That's a big dummy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Take see you later. Bye. Goodbye. All right. Bye-bye. We'll see you guys see later. See you later. Thank you for the questions. Thank you. Come again. Bye. All right. Sound check, sound check. We still good? Still good. All right. All right, cool. We can make fun of them now. (laughs) All right. Did you see that haircut? Ah, (laughs) I would say that, but uh, yeah, my my oldest son has a similar haircut, so what are you going to do? Except his is bleached blonde, which is... Yeah. I used to do that. You used to do that. Yeah, Those yeah. frosted yeah, tips were so hot. Yeah, no, that was. Thought it was so cool. I think I had spots at one time. So I did jack it up one time and went carrot orange. I left the bleach in too long. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I was too scared to cut it off, so I just rocked the orange weird. <laughs> I had at one point I had highlighter yellow hair. It was it was literally you would if we went into this bar that had a lot of black lights and. They had a mirrors going along the entranceway, and all you saw was this glowing head of hair. <laughs> was that when you still did the mohawk? Huh? No, that was before the mohawk, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I had that big mohawk at one point. Does that dude from Static X still rock that crazy mohawk? That dude's dead. He's dead? <laughs> yeah. Wayne Static? Yeah, he died a couple of years ago. Yep. Do you yep. think they buried him with the mohawk? Maybe. I would, I would, I would, I would have requested that in my will. I gotta have the hawk. <laughs> yep. So what else you got? Well, pretending that we'd run out of stuff, which we'd never do. They already handled all that stuff. Yeah, you got your Mars mission, NIST. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, oh, I was listening to that. I was telling you about that space pod, the Tic Tac that that pilot saw. Yeah. In outer space, so non-reactionary propulsion. So I was going to ask you, could we use uranium or anything else to potentially use that in space as a power source? If we, okay, what do we, it, it what really do we use used. now to move the space station around? 
standard rocket thrusters. Boring. We have Boring. so much other stuff. Yeah, there's they they actually NASA is actually coming up with some uh, some an ion engine, which is which is a pretty cool concept. And that's actually, if you read, if you've read the Martian or seen the Martian, that's a, one thing that that guy did very well is, is the science behind the stuff. And then in the Martian, they actually used an ion engine to get from earth to Mars. And what the what's special about the ion engine is that uh, the particles that it emits are going at close to the speed of light. So the trouble is with the ion engine is that the amount of force that it emits is minuscule. It would take, so the particles are traveling very, very fast, but they're not pushing hard enough. So you need more of them. So you need more of them. And that's, that's the issue that they're having, but they're, that's, that's one of the projects that they're actually working on that I've been kind of following. And it's very, very interesting because that potentially could lead to not necessarily traveling at the speed of light, but yeah. And, and it's a, a sustained thing. They, they, it uses a minimum amount of fuel and so it could last a long time and they could reach very great speeds with it. It would take them a long time to reach those speeds, but uh, you know, in space in a vacuum, it's not. Cause it doesn't need much force to actually move. No. No, you don't need much force, but you still have momentum is acting against you because you're moving this giant thing by basically pushing on it with your finger. And so you can, it'll move, but you'd have to, it'd have to be continual pressure for a long period of time for it expended. How do they, so what are they, what are they ionizing? I'm not real sure. With what? Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've read on it and I've read the concept of it, but as far as the actual mechanics and how it works, I'm not real, not real sure about that. Could you use this hundred thousand year strong uranium to ionize the particles? Yeah, I don't. The radiation, I mean, the the radioactive. That's more of a uh, power supply than it is propulsion means. So it's more. It'd be more used for making electricity than making something that can propel the ship. So it might be used to in the, uh, because yeah, it's, it's a, I'm assuming it's a chemical process or it's a, an electrical process that are using this. The, so yeah, t- technically I guess it could be used to, to create electricity that would then yeah ionize particles. That would actually, you know, run the thing, power the power of the engine. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so let's do that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's get on it. NASA, we just sorted it out for you guys. <sighs> Give me a call. I got the answer, man. Or SpaceX, they'll do it first. Yeah, probably. Yeah, have you gone to see doing... any of the? No, I have not. I'd like to. Aren't you not? You're not that far from the landing pad here in Texas, right? Yeah, and actually, we have uh, one of our customers, uh, a guy. I can't remember. He works. He does research in some for some university. But he does a lot of the the uh, research for them, and I've talked to him, and he has some very very interesting stories about. Uh, he sends these capsules up, and they it does measurements, and they're in the big balloons, and then they pop, and then he has to go find them. And it, but he does he has a lot of uh, that uh, 
experience working with NASA and SpaceX and stuff. And he's actually worked with them. He's a very interesting guy to talk to. But uh, but yeah, no, I have not been to to the uh, the launch facility. And it's so if you hit him up, maybe he could take you. Maybe I've actually been invited to see one, one of the, the coolest things that I was invited to see is uh, a guy that works for one of the national labs. I'm not going to say which one, but uh, they do. Uh, They blow things up <laughs> <laughs> and they do a lot of measurements for this. He's like, yeah, you need to come see this because we get to blow things up. And I was like, yes, I want to come see you. I have not had a chance to go see him yet. But, uh, but yeah, that was, that, that was one of the more interesting, uh, things that I've come across in my, my career is this guy, he's like, he gets paid to blow things up and take measurements on it. And then we made some detectors for them. So that they can, you know, measure different things, and yeah, so he was able to. That's I would have liked to have been. Well, yeah, I mean, if they're using your equipment to yeah. measure the radiation yeah. and actually, during the explosion, because they were having trouble making it work right, so they came down to visit me so that I could kind of walk them through and say, "Here's what you need to do to for the detector to work." I mean, this is I kind of helped design it, so I know how it works. Plug this in here, plug this in here, and there you go. And so they came down and I kind of walked them through and he's like, yeah, you need to come up and see what we're doing with this. And I was like, I would love to do that. I have not had a chance to yet. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just in case I miss anything, can you say that all over again? <laughs> I, just missed it. I wasn't listening. So the paint, <laughs> so the paint, so tell me about this cocktail of paint that you, is it li- like you're saying paint, but I'm assuming it doesn't, you don't literally paint you're not well, painting with the brush. I'm assuming no, it's like no, a no. layer that yeah, lays it's, on it's top of it. Yeah, uh, it's a process to do it, and I can't actually talk about how we make it. Of course, of yeah. course. But, uh, but it's an old recipe. It's basically the reason we use this, and it's, it's a paint that's made from lithium-6 fluoride and zinc sulfide, and it's a very old recipe. Anybody can look it up. Uh, our We put a few little extra things in there that kind of make our paint special and more flexible, but, uh, it's used in in uh, neutron detection. And the reason that it has to be used in neutron detection, because normally neutrons, it's a neutral substance. It's a neutral particle. So your conventional detectors can't detect it. It just passes right through them without reacting to anything. Uh, when I talked earlier about radiation, not causing other things to become radioactive, that's true with the exception of neutrons. Neutrons are the only radiation that causes other things to become radioactive. Uh, so the way this detector works, it's kind of a secondary reaction that uh, that the screen picks up. The neutrons come in and hit the, the lithium-6 fluoride, causes the lithium-6 fluoride to become radioactive. And the, radi- the lithium-6 fluoride gives off an alpha particle, which is basically... Uh, two helium atoms with no electrons. It's four. It's four protons all bundled together. Uh, that goes off and hits the zinc sulfide. The zinc sulfide sole purpose is to detect alpha radiation. So yeah. So the neutrons come in, hit the lithium six fluoride. It becomes radioactive. It's off an alpha particle. The zinc sulfide detects the alpha particle, and that glows basically 
And so we have light sensing devices that pick up that that glow or pick up the photons from that uh, from that reaction. It can and, only be triggered by the alpha. Yeah. Well, you can it, other mostly alphas because alpha the 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 thing about alphas is it's a very very weak radiation. They don't it doesn't travel very far at all. In fact, uh, that's how smoke detectors work. Smoke detectors it has a, every smoke detector has an an it's a americium two forty one. It's an alpha source. And basically, because alphas are so weak that you have an alpha source on one, th- one side and separated by a very small space is a detector that detects these alphas coming off this americium. So the way that works, anytime that alphas are blocked by smoke or whatever, then the detector realizes, oh, there's not any alphas anymore and that's when it goes off so it's every second it's on it's just transmitting mm-hmm. yeah the what do you call them, particles yeah it's alpha it's, to yeah the alpha particles yeah it's transmitted to this detector and it's when the detector stops seeing those is when you have a problem is when it is like oh there's something in the way of this emission and it starts going off but so the alphas is a really really weak particle it won't even penetrate your skin uh, so it's not really it's it's not until it's internal that it starts causing problems. So, but so yeah, that's the the zinc sulfide. That's its main purpose, and that's what most of the industry uses it for is for alpha detection. So, but yeah, that's so that's how it's in a nutshell. That's how these screens work. So you're not so you're 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 making detectors all day. It's only when it's time after you're done with whatever you're making when you actually put it into a testing room to verify that it's actually working. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's a contained environment to check it. Yeah. 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 We actually have, I mean, we have a lot of uh, radiation sources that we use to kind of to calibrate things and make sure and a lot of electronics and equipment to, to make sure that the, that the detectors are acting like they should, especially my stuff. I have to do a lot of tests to kind of, because it's very picky about uh, how thick it is and the particle size and things like that. So it takes a little bit of, a, of know-how to kind of figure out how to make this exactly right so that you get the same results every time. And that's the, the uniformity is kind of, it's a big issue because you want to be able to, if you make a hundred of these, you want all a hundred of them to operate pretty much the same. You don't want to, because you want them to be interchangeable. So if they have a problem, then they stick another one in there and they, it works the same way. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, it's, it's, uh, in the you know, science in general, it's kind of repeatability is a big thing. So you have to manufacture a product that is stable and is consistently at a level, at a certain level. So, so you must pride yourself on knowing like I'm doing spec yeah. work. Oh yeah, top yeah, of the line yeah. every that's, time. That's like I kind of developed a process to mass produce these things and make sure that they all function basically the same way. So yeah, it's it's uh yeah, it's part of what I do. It's it's not that I have a lot of uh, things that I have to oversee and a lot of you know research things, but uh, mostly with that project, that's what I have to worry about. So. so what's your favorite part 
about your daily career mission? Uh, favorite part. My favorite part is the fact that I am not stuck doing the same thing every day. <laughs> I like I have a, a lot of different things that I have to take care of and oversee and kind of keep my eye on. So I might be doing uh, testing one day, just you know, going through, and we have a bunch of detectors that need to be tested that to, to make sure that they work, and I'll do that. And then the next day, I'm uh, designing parts for another detector that they're going to build, and the next day, I'm doing research on a new formula that they've come up with and they bring it to me to test it, to make sure that the test, right. So it's, that's, that's kind of my favorite thing about the job is the fact that uh, it's very, it's always interesting. It's always, I'm always doing something different. There's always something that, uh, you know, piques my curiosity and, and keeps me going and I'm not stuck doing the, and I know there's people that yeah, that's their job and they enjoy it. And, and yeah, and, me personally, I have to be more interested in you know doing the same thing all the time. I can't do that. I'm yeah, not, well, I'm not. I'm not built that way. It's it's difficult for me. I I lose interest. So this. So it's that, a position where people can come to you, and you have a knowledge base that can actually answer. Oh yeah, yeah. Their yeah, questions. and then a lot of the, you know, we'll have. Uh, a manufacturer change of one of our ingredients. And so they have to, we have a different manufacturer or they change their process. And it's, there's like, Oh, they notify us. It's like, Hey, we are making this a slightly different way. Will this work for you? So they give it to me. I do my test and I know what test I need to do to make sure that yes, this is going to work or no, this product sucks. Do it again. So, yeah. I get to do that a lot too. Hey, no, that's not going to work. I, I kind of like that part too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a power trip. What can I say? But yeah. So yeah, I do a lot of the, uh, the quality control of, uh, you know, materials and the, the testing just to make sure that they work. And so being trusted with your knowledge base and flexibility to own your own time to get things done. Mm -hmm. That's also yeah, yeah, very that, that's, no, that's a that, very, hey, it's a very, you have things to do, but you're in charge of how efficient and how you get them done. Exactly. Yeah. I, I kind of, I, I have a lot of a, a leeway as to how I do things and the time frame that I, I mean, I have deadlines that I have to meet, but as long as I meet those deadlines, then how I spend my time is mine. So I can, if I want to concentrate on this project and, this one back a little bit and work on that some other time then I can do that I have free I have freedom to kind of pick and choose what I want to work on which is really nice as well so. does anybody bring you coffee uh, they make coffee they don't actually bring it to me I do have a secretary but we have uh, where there's a you should talk to her about getting that ninja coffee yeah, maker. Yeah, we really do. Maybe just get it there. We have we have a do some do some research on the quality of the coffee preparation. Yep. Of no, the we, ninja. Um, we need some espresso in this place. <laughs> That's what we need instead of the just standard coffee maker. But yeah, no, we we actually there there are a couple of uh, very nice ladies that are in there and they make coffee every morning for the office and. So yeah, I don't. Actually, they don't actually bring it to me. They're not that nice. But oh, see, <laughs> in my mind, in my pretend imagination, I feel like you guys should have the type of coffee 
makers that Whole Foods has. You know that crazy drip contraption. Yeah, yeah. No, we really I, should. Th- I think you guys should have one of those. We do have. No, I, I can't say we do have. I do get a lot of uh, interesting gadgets that I'll go to my boss and it's like, hey, I need this. It costs five thousand dollars. He's like, all right. So I was <laughs> like, okay, I'll order that. And then, yeah, so I, I get I get to play with the cool toys. And if I you know, think of like a, they were trying to figure out because we, we make plastic and it's and it's this plastic that when it's hit with radiation it glows. It's called scintillator. Uh, we were trying to figure out a way to quantify or the how the clarity of the plastic and a way to measure and not just look at it and it's like hey that's this one's a little clearer than this one, but we were, they were trying to figure out a way to actually measure in numbers the clarity of it. So that was my idea to get shoot a laser through it and measure the intensity of the laser on one end and then measure the intensity of the laser on the other end because it goes in and it hits, if it's not clear, it hits particles, it scatters, so you don't have as much light coming out one end as you have going in the other. So that was, and yeah, so we got a, a very high dollar laser sensor that could tell the, you know, the wattage of the laser. And that was one of the things it's like, yeah, this is how you do it. I come up with that, shoot a laser in, measure it with this thing on the other end. There you go. You have a number that you can tell this one is 3% clearer than this one. I wonder, I'm going to find out the name because my brother, he has a tiny desktop machine that, he puts plant he does molecular biology for plants mm-hmm. and he counts the proteins in the rna and so they shoot it through a tiny machine that how he explained it to me is that it passes one cell at a time and then they shoot particles into it, which i'm assuming is some sort of spectrometer maybe something like that that yeah. you're talking about that can actually illuminesce the certain proteins so that mm-hmm. he can then count it is that how it would, would work as well do you think it's just there's a later or does that because I get confused is the laser laser has nothing to do with like a laser is radioactive and then whatever is radioactive can be used as a laser uh, well a laser is Cause basically you use radiation to make light is basically what a laser is and uh, but it's all self-contained there's no the, the laser itself isn't actually radioactive uh it's just a powerful light source. it's just a powerful light source yeah it's not it's it's photons which is just light particles coming so out. he must be blasting it with photons mm-hmm. and somehow that hey, see that sounds kind of like a, a spectrometer how, what a spectrometer is and basically a spectrometer is you hit something with a light source or an energy source and it emits it causes basically what the science behind it is, you know how a atom is, how an atom is arranged. It has a proton, neutron, or proton, neutron in the center, and then electrons around it, mm-hmm. right? Well, these electrons can exist in different, they call them shells. And basically, when you hit uh, certain atoms with an energy source, the electrons move up a shell. So they, they increase their diameter orbit. And then when you remove that energy source, they go back down. When they go back down, they release energy in the form of photons, light. So 
that's a, a, a spectrometer can kind of measure that. That's called photoluminescence. And that's a spectrometer can look at that light coming off and give you details about, you know, the wavelength of it. And so that might be, without being too familiar with, you know, what's going on, that might be a, a plausible explanation of what he's kind of using is he's looking through it through a spectrometer, mass spectrometer. So that's cool. Well, you just explain how, how we use, cause we use spectrometers at work all the time. To oh yeah. Color to, to calibrate the colors mm-hmm. coming off of our monitors. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what a spectrometer does. It, it looks at the spectrum and it, it's like, it, and the spectrum is made of different wavelengths of light. And each color gives off a different wavelength. Exactly. Yep. Yep, that's it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So how do you spend your valuable time now? Your pristine, valuable, grown-up like adult time. Your free time? Pers- your, yeah, take it how you want it. Uh, I said valuable. You yeah, you put my, value where my, you decide. Yeah, free time is my valuable time. I mean, I, I get paid quite a, a, a significant amount for my time, and I well, appreciate some of that. But uh, my, yeah, my most valuable time is probably the time that I actually get to spend with my family and doing everything that I can to, you know, and relaxation is a big part of it, but also, uh, yeah, free time is valuable time and I don't get a lot of that too much. anymore. Oh, I'll tell you about that. So I, for my birthday, uh-huh. Melissa gave me a gift card to go to one of those isolation tanks again. Oh yeah. 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 So I've done it twice before in the float tank. She got me the gift card. I was like, yes. So I go, I went a week ago, a week or two ago. And the first time I went, and went first thing in the morning, woke up, just water, went straight there. It was phenomenal. Crazy vivid dreams. Oh, wow. Insane 3D memories. Like, it's as legit as me and you talking now. Oh, wow. Like, when I came out of it, I was like, literally felt like I time warped. That's crazy. The second time I went, I said, oh, I'm going to try at the end of the day, like a decompression after work. Did a whole day at work, drive up north where it was, get in there. I was so kind of agitated from the day. It took me a while to sink into just Mm -hmm. because you are floating, but you realize it's almost like when you go to sleep and then before you actually go to sleep, you feel your muscles actually relax. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, I didn't even realize I was, I was laying down, not realizing you're still still tense. Tense, yeah. You're like, ah. It's so weird. So you had that after a while, you finally get that. I didn't go into that deep, deep, vivid dream state. Yeah. But I was able to finally just chill. Yeah, relax. Relax. And I came out super relaxed, but not with visions or anything. Yeah. More relaxed than normal, you know, naturally. But then this third time I went in the middle of the day, I'll say, let me try before lunch because it's better not to do it after you eat. Yeah. No caffeine. Went in there. It was oddly right in the middle oh yeah had some cool visions took me a little while to relax but not as long it's still super it's like calming. an equally yeah super calming i did have uh you know really strong visions of moments with the kids where you know it could be like almost borderline like laughing out loud 
are crying you're like you know like i've been meditating lately and you can go into really whatever that thought is like you can really dive into it yeah and when i came out the dude was all very zen like tell me tell me about your experience <laughs> do tell but he was cool i was like ah he's putting it on a little heavy but you feel so ready to share you it comes out of your head they have journals out there and all that oh, right yeah, now. Yeah. and i was like i was telling him the coolest and weirdest part about it is I paid to guard time away to not be disturbed yeah. by anyone. I literally have a dude up front, three doors, then I'm in a tank, closed in. I've yeah, paid for this hour. Isolated. Of, isolated. Yeah. I had to pay for uh, Yeah, you can be alone in your house. Yeah, you're not, you're isolated. not isolated. Yeah. You got so much stimulation. Yeah. All the time and it just floating there. Hear nothing. You know, all you know, all senses out. And yeah, I and, yeah, it, yeah, and I completely it, understand that. It, I was like, yeah, you I this whole thing is I'm locking down that free time. You know, I get time, you know, after everybody crashes, I like to chill for an hour, read. Yeah. And sometimes I'll read half the time and then just think about what I read or quasi meditate there. I usually meditate right when I get to work, get there early park 10, 15 minutes. That's been really cool. And then on the thing, you know, it's mostly guided cause I'm not really up to doing it just straight off solo yeah. as well. But I love it because you really, you know, okay, it's for me. And then you really see, you know, it's like, like I was talking about not looking at your phone. The second you choose, like, uh, don't do it. Just just try to not look at it. Yeah. I promise you, your mind fills the void. Yeah. It's not like you won't be well, you know. stimulated because your mind says, oh, are we not doing external stimulation? I got you. Yeah. Here comes the show. There and you that's go. my coolest part. Dude, it, the visions come. You don't have to. Huh. You don't need to bring it in externally because your mind goes into, okay, we're going into production mode. I'm already working in the background anyways. I'm just going to bring it into your visual field and present it to you. And that's kind of how I'm really liking it more and more. Oh, wow. So it just, it just, that's, oh, that's, yeah. it just brings it from the background to the foreground. Is, is, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with the, the concept of uh, the isolation tanks and everything, but I never, never thought about, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a interesting explanation about uh, why they're so effective. It, it's uh, yeah, you're you're there. You don't have any outside stimulation, so your brain makes up for that. So yeah, that's that's very that makes sense. I understand that. But but yeah, you talk about the uh, phones. It's just like when you when we went down to your wedding, mm-hmm. my phone didn't work, and because there's no we're down in Mexico, no reception, everything. So I was there, however long we were down there, three or four days with no phone. That was the best thing ever. <laughs> I loved it. And that's can why. You, I, can you repeat that again? I don't think I heard it. <laughs> it <laughs> I was, don't think it you was, heard it. It was, it was. It was great. It just not the not being plugged in all the time, and that's a lot of the things. You know, I, I was telling you earlier that you know I like to go camping with my kids, and you know a lot of the places we go, there's no cell phone service there's no you know so we you know you have a few days with no electronics and you're you're kind of you know entertaining yourself and it's it's wonderful and i i love that feeling of just not having being connected and kind of 
isolating yourself from the world, you know, because we're all so connected now through these devices we have in our pockets that uh, it takes a bit of a effort to disconnect. Uh, you have to actually find a place where you cannot receive this message or receive this. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's one of the reasons I enjoy camping so much is because you leave the phone in the car and you enjoy life and you enjoy, you know, being outside and doing things. And so, yeah, you're not uh, connected to this device. Yeah. I love a mix of both. I love what it is, what it does. Yeah, I mean, I love the technology. And I, I am a technology nut. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I, I do. But there's all there's the reverse. The other side of the coin is, yeah, when you do not have that and you get so dependent on it, like we are talking about the GPS thing earlier, <laughs> to go to a store around the corner. I was looking it up, and you're like, dude, no, you got you got this. You, <laughs> I was you, like, you got the two you get, turns, you get three so, turns. It was, yeah, it was three it turns. Was, yeah, it was three it turns. Was. And, but I did find it without my GPS. <laughs> But you become reliant on these technologies, and yeah, even even now, these kids growing up, and they have, you know, they have GPS on their phones. They don't know how to read a map, and you, you, so you develop this reliance, and so it's it's good in my mind to kind of get away from that, so you develop these skills that you need to to, if you didn't have this technology, you have the skills to still accomplish certain tasks, you know, finding your way from point A to point B. Okay. So for example, you went to the store. I went to the store. What is it? 0.4 miles? Yeah. Okay. Successfully. Successfully. You know, you had that feeling, like I said, left, right, yeah. left, right? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. You, you not knowing the distance between each turn. Yeah. Like how far is it? It must and then you're and I, that, see, that, you that, very I didn't tell you specific directions for the way there. Right. However, on the way back, it's just reverse. It is. <laughs> but I'm driving and I was like, is this the right road? I was like, I'm not real sure that this is the right road. Well, I'll just keep going until you realize I see you something. didn't pay attention to your surroundings. Yeah, exactly. This is, I'll just keep going until I see something I recognize. And then eventually it's like, oh yeah, there it is. I'm on the right road after all. But there is that, that moment of like, oh my God, I, took a wrong turn somewhere and you know i used to that was kind of you know, a standard thing it wasn't uh you know you took a right turn find out where you are on the map figure out your route and get to get back to where you're going but uh yeah like when we went to thailand for honeymoon like i said i got on a scooter and the dude said you know there's a place called the blue hole it's protected by police it's this uh i forget what element is in the bottom of the pool but it's so mm -hmm. super bright cyan teal blue Little water hole. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing a picture of that. Hour and it's... a half scooter ride. So I'm no map. Okay, I'm just I'm gonna memorize where I'm going. Landmarks only because I can't read Thai. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. There is a light signal with a bronze monkey at the top. Turning right there. Go down yeah. to the market that has the weird orange paint. That's different than all the other paints. Left there. So I'm doing that the whole way, hour and a half till we get there. It's a 45 minute walk through the forest, past swimming holes to get to the blue hole. Hang out there, phenomenal. Come back. Remember, you're going back. Yeah. You can't ask for directions because they're so far, they don't speak English that mm -hmm. far away. I made it all the way back. I'll just do reverse. Oh yeah, and yeah. And it was, and we couldn't, I had a phone, like I got a SIM card. We didn't use it. 
It's the best. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like I said, I'm, I'm uh, directions. I'm usually, I'm very good at, if I've been a place, I remember how to get there. If I figured it out on my own. However, if I use the GPS to get there, I have no idea where I'm at. Oh yeah. Cause you no don't idea. need to pay attention. Yeah. You don't need to pay attention. You're just going, Oh, turn yeah, left. Okay. Too. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it is, it's, it's, it's an awesome technology, but it, uh, is also a handicapping technology. <coughs> so is there any cool radiation experiments I can do with the banana for Diego? Uh, I don't know. You guys Isn't there like, like the little clock or like where you plug stuff into the orange? And that, that's electricity, <coughs> not really radiation. Yeah, no. The radiation in a banana is so tiny that it's very it's hard to even measure. Oh, okay. Is there any fun yeah, experiments I can do? They don't have to be related. What would be a cool little science thing that's everybody has the stuff at home, easy to do and kind of cool? Yeah. And I've done things with the kids. I'm just trying to remember trying to remember some stuff I'll, I'll have to i'll have to get back with you on that i'll i'll but i i know there's some uh some experiments any of the stuff that i've done with the kids that is that are that's pretty cool mostly it's slime based so. <laughs> <laughs> now i don't want to hear the slime one yeah no my daughter yeah she well you have way too much slime in my house anyway but uh but yeah no there's there's a uh, there's some stuff that i that uh, like we did in college but a lot of the stuff that I know about, you actually have to get a hold of, you know, like liquid nitrogen or dry ice is a cool thing to, to play around with. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I'll have to get back with you on that. I know there's some stuff out there. How do microphones work? How do microphones work? Uh, magnets. Yeah. 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 Basically it's, uh, you get a vibrating membrane on top of a magnet that picks it up. And so when you, speak into it it vibrates a membrane and uh, it uh, you have it's like a magnetic pickup on a guitar it's it senses the vibration on top of it and that's what transmits and it transmits that into uh, an electrical pulse which your beautiful computer computer translates amplifier or whatever (laughs) translates into sound Thank you. I've been wondering that. Yeah. I knew you would know the answer. Yeah, yeah it's uh, speakers are just kind of a reverse of the process. It's you have a magnet that is vibrating a membrane, and that's what causes sound to come out of a speaker. So it's it's microphone microphones and speakers are pretty much identical, except for one's going in, one's coming out. Awesome. There you go. Now you know. The, the more you know. <laughs> the more you know. Reading rainbow. <laughs> There you go. Yep. That was a G.I. Joe. That was a G.I. Joe. The more you know. Or knowing is half the battle is what you said. Is that what Joe. you said? Yeah. Knowing is half the battle. When you say at the end of every episode? Yeah. Yeah. That shows how old I am. I watched G.I. Joe as a kid. <laughs> we were talking about He-Man and She-Ra earlier. Yeah, G.I. Joe was another big one. Thundercats. Yeah. I was pretty pumped with the He-Man with the three-strike chest. That's what I was saying. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, no, that was a long time ago. <laughs> All right, well, I really... So what is the name of the company you work at? Um, my company is called Elgin Technology. We're actually owned by a bigger company called Ludlum Measurements. Uh, Ludlum Measurements actually owns... And w- There's 
three companies in Sweetwater, a little bitty town of Sweetwater, 12,000 people. Uh, Ludlum's owns three companies there, not counting itself. Uh, they own a, there's a Adit, which makes photomultiplier tubes, where there's little light sensing devices. They own us, where our main product is this scintillating plastic. And they owned a company called West Texas Molding, which does injection molding, which is they basically have this mold that they pour these plastic beads in, they heat it up, and they make their big thing was the big claim to fame is the uh, the NFL uh, down markers. They made those. The touchdown markers? The touchdown. Well, the, uh, you know, where you, the... Where it's first down, second down, and you have oh, the, the, the chain gain walking okay. down. Yeah, they they made those. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, West Texas Molding. Uh, they own a company in uh, in Tennessee called Protean Instruments, which there it's it's a small article monitoring, basically like uh, like the thing you put your suitcase through at the airport but there's smaller versions of that so they can stick things in there so if a mouse had a suitcase yeah basically <laughs> uh they there's a new company they just bought in colorado called uh, what's it called c7 industries or something like that it's an air monitoring company so they do yeah they can do air monitoring they measure the quality of Air samples, I guess. And what's what's the name of your exact position? Uh, Hi, I'm Matt Jackson. I am a uh, nuclear physicist, and that's actually on my business card. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, can you send me one of those cards? I will. I will send you one. Of I those. knew you were a nuclear physicist. I've been yep. saying it, but I had to ask you to be yep. sure. Yeah. I wasn't actually 100 percent positive. Which just means I use a lot of spreadsheets. That's. <laughs> you are a spreadsheet master. Oh, Excel is my bitch. Do you know all the formulas? <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah, I can do things in Excel that uh, is, is amazes was, even myself. I was so proud when I figured out the multiplication formula. <laughs> oh, man. I felt like a wizard. Oh, my graphs are amazing. <laughs> all right. Well, let's. Let's get out of here and go get grab these kids and go have some fun since you're in town. Yes. I really appreciate you doing this, taking time. Not at all, man. I had a blast. Let's try and not make it three years in between visits. Definitely not. If possible. Um, I will try to. Uh, I love this human human visit. appreciate you coming down. You need to come down and see me, man. It's not it's really a small town, but uh, I don't care. I'll give you the grand tour. All right. All right. All right. Let's wrap it up. Be healthy, y'all. Make sure you take care of yourselves and eat good food and do what you already know you're supposed to do. Pretty easy. That's all. Be healthy, y'all. Goodbye.